Hi, welcome back to the Mandarin Blueprint Podcast, episode 116. It's been a very busy week for us. Uh, actually, by the time you'll be hearing or watching this podcast, we will have switched over the way we do business from subscriptions, although we'll still have a monthly subscription for a higher price. From monthly subscriptions, we're getting rid of the annual to lifetime access piecemeal bundles. So hopefully uh, we're in the midst of switching over or you've already done so. And uh, it's nice to have that lifetime access. We don't have to worry about money coming out every month or every year. Uh, and you can study it to your heart's content uh, without any sort of um, that, in the back, that in the back of your mind. We've, we were getting so many emails about that, that people loved the course and couldn't and, and felt that things came up in their life and they weren't getting the most out of the course. And so that's all done with now. Uh, it feels good. We might also be in the middle of our Black Friday special or just starting it. Uh, if we've just finished it, that means I put this podcast out way too late. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so if you are listening to this and you haven't taken advantage of that uh, discount that we have available, then go ahead and do that. It's all visible on our website, mandarinblueprint.com. So aside from that, there aren't really any updates. So I'm just going to jump into the uh, the emails and the comments that we've had this week. The first one here is from Rick Santos, and he has made it to the end of the foundation course, that means uh, the end of phase five. And he has laid a solid foundation. He's learned how to read, understand, even write around about a thousand words and 600 characters or so. And he's probably starting to be able to connect the dots and read and understand and maybe even start speaking by now. So let's see what he has to say. Thank you, Luke and Phil, for a well thought out course foundation course. You are both very good educators at heart and in practice. Thank you. Both of you were able to extract from us like uh, the best that we could give and the most that we could reach. Wow. Uh, like doctors, you also give gradual dosage and warn us of possible counterindications so as not to get sick of Mandarin. That's brilliant. That's so, that's so well, well written. You know when to let us fall, commit some mistakes, you treat each of us differently when the circumstances call for it and you answer most of your question of our questions sorry you encourage and praise when needed and recognize quiet efforts like developers you keep the door ajar to attract us to the next level like trainers you constantly challenge us to do just a little more plus one about the intermediate course you have forewarned us of the vast plateau and flat two that lies ahead but even if the rugged mountains are behind, I hope that there will still be a gentle streams and plenty of breeze to go with during this intermediate course before we barrel through again to the tunnel of hard rocks. Thank you for preparing us in the foundation course. I enjoyed it so much. Very good writing. Um, I it was a pleasure to read, Rick. And uh, thank you so much. That's a, it's the most probably one of the most well-written compliments we've ever received. Um, and don't worry, the intermediate's not that bad. It's just different. You know, it's not bad. It's not a terrible experience at all. In fact, it's it's much more rewarding in that long-term sort of rewarding that you get from lots of time put in because you actually get to use the stuff that you're, you've learned. Where, when you're beginning, you know, foundation building, going from zero to something, learning a character is a thrill and learning a word is a thrill. And uh, it's still exciting in the, in, in the intermediate, but in a different way. You, the more the excitement that I personally remember from, say, the intermediate stage, although I always feel like I'm in the intermediate stage, um, is 
I just communicated what I wanted to say to that person really well. That's the rush. Or I just understood this chapter of this book that um, you know is translated from English or a Chinese classic or whatever. I just understood this. And uh, I, I got emotionally moved by this. And that's something that you can get in the foundation sort of level, but the intermediate, it, they come thick and, thick and fast, those sorts of feelings. So uh, that's, that's what you have to look forward to. And char learning characters is still fun with the hand-to-move method. So well done, Rick. Congratulations. Next one is uh, by um, Gavia Arctica. She says, I signed up on HelloTalk today. So HelloTalk is, is, is one of the many speaking apps that you can get, and, and of course, typing apps. It's essentially, when you look at it, it looks exactly like WeChat. Um, but it's just one of those things where you find Chinese people, interact with them, you call them up. Um, I've, I've used it a few times. You just, you're just you on there, and for five minutes later, you could be chatting to, I was chatting to some guy who was on the way to his next class in between classes in Chongqing uh, in university. I just had a chat with him for 20 minutes and then put the phone down and never spoke to him again, but that's because I'm lazy and he's lazy. But uh, you can develop relationships with Chinese people very easily. Of course, you can chat to them uh, by text and stuff like this, and, and learn your uh, and, and and develop that area too. What a fun and addictive way to start practicing Chinese and see the see the characters come alive. I had learned some Chinese before starting the MB course, but had not tried to communicate with anyone during my MB time because I wanted to build a more solid base before I try my skills again in the real world. Now, I was just amazed how much I could write, probably not correctly, but it seems that it was all understandable and it feels great to see what, that I can read short messages written in Chinese by real Chinese people. It was actually, I was actually communicating in Chinese in capital letters. It literally felt like the characters are coming alive little by little. There were some longer sentences that I could not understand at all at first sight, but after rereading a few times, I actually could read everything guessing the missing characters, words from the context. I don't know how to tell you how amazing it feels with one, two, three, four exclamation marks. Yes, that's the beginning thrill that you get um, when you start communicating. And then there was a big chunk that was all about uh, flashcards and flashcard guidance, which we helped her out with in the community, of course. I'll just go to the last paragraph here. Thank you, thank you, thank you for all that you do. Today has been one of those, I don't know how to call them, amazing I can do this moments. I have just been patiently following the course for the past four months or so. No time to do anything else than just a few new characters per week and review, review, review. But now that I've put my Chinese to real world test again, I noticed how much I have actually learned. Even if I already knew in quotation marks from before all of the characters I have studied in the course so far, I didn't know anything. But now I know how to use them because I've seen them in context in the course sentences and what a difference that makes at the time of actually starting to test my Chinese in the real world. Wow, more great writing from our wonderful members. Um, yes, you're going from that, that stage, which is what I mentioned when I was referring to Rick's comment that the, the you get a lot in the beginning stages, that thrill of recognizing and learning individual characters and words and starting to see them in sentences, starting to communicate. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's really quite amazing. Um, and yes, you know, my personal experience with learning with all sorts of apps and websites, traditional classroom, you learn a lot of little bits, you know, you learn a lot of words, you learn a lot of characters, but because the lack of foundation that you have, you very rarely get to experience that holistic sort of understanding 
of seeing them in context and getting the greater meaning, not just of the individual characters and words, but of a sentence, of a paragraph, of an article, of a conversation, perhaps. Um, and that's a big difference. So well done, uh, Gavia, Gavia. Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong. Lucy Haley on New Vocabulary Unlocked for Lads. <laughs> she just starts out with, you guys are absolute legends. Was wondering how you felt about copying the sentences to practice writing. Also, at what stage, I know it's a while away yet, where you would suggest we start speaking, e.g. italki or hello talk, for example. Of course, I answered Lucy, as I always do, as Phil and I both do on, on the, by email or on the, on, the, on the platform itself. But I thought I'd share this here because this is um, useful to a lot of people. I think it's a question that a lot of people have. Um, copying sentences to practice writing, that, that, the best benefit that will have is to your handwriting. But I'm sure, I don't know, I have any scientific data to back this up, but practicing writing sentences can't hurt you. Uh, you know, solidifying the idea of writing, solidifying the word structure, because you're essentially, it's like reading a sentence, but in, in real detail, uh, meticulously. So you'd really absorb that grammar structure a bit more, perhaps. But what might be even better is if you have the energy and the time is to create your own sentences. Now, that you don't have to, and that sounds like a really intimidating task if you're a beginner or just sort of going into the realms of intermediate, just making up your own sentences. And don't do it willy-nilly. Don't just make up Chinese and then, is this right? No, it's completely wrong. Oh, okay, what about this? And just not really thinking about it. Do what, um, I always remember this article from, I refer to it often as an article on antimoon.com, A-N-T-I moon.com. Um, what's the title? I don't know the title, but you'll be able to find it. Uh, search for the word mistake somewhere, you'll be able to find it. So he basically says he never writes an incorrect sentence. Or he, he says he don't doesn't think he's ever written an incorrect sentence. This guy's a Polish guy who learned English in like three years. Uh, very to an incredibly high level, probably higher than mine. Um, definitely higher than mine. And he says that he has never written uh, an incorrect sentence. And the reason why is because before he writes a sentence, if he's not 100% sure, or he's like 95% sure about how to write it, he'll go and look at an example sentence. And he'll make sure he uses it in the same way. Now, that won't always be perfect. But what you can do is just look at an example sentence uh, and just copy out that sentence, but replace one or two words or say it in a slightly different way. And then you can, and that's like a stepping stone towards writing your own sentences. And uh, do it by hand, of course, if you want, but typing is also fine. Uh, but by hand, it will, I think there's some, again, I don't have any data to back this up, but there's some sort of connection between the hand and the brain, right? It's just because, I don't know, it's just something we have in us. So if you write something out, like I remember my business studies teacher, I never liked her very much, <laughs> and she was, but she was a good teacher. And one thing that she always said is um, she will not allow anyone to type anything in our class. Um, only the rich kids at that time had, had computers to type and stuff in class anyway. But she said, I don't want you typing it. I want you to write out everything. Don't go home and write it out on a computer. You need to write out everything by hand. And it was really annoying. <laughs> and she was very um, insistent about it. But it goes in better. It just does. I don't know why. Uh, so certainly uh, I can't, uh, I would never recommend against uh, writing out sentences. But just copying, just copying sentences might not be as efficient as maybe uh, applying applying your own knowledge a little bit more. Um, 
and then checking with someone on highnative.com or your tutor to see if that's right. And if it's wrong, take that corrected sentence and uh, maybe rewrite that or put that as a, as a sentence flashcard. That works really well. Okay, So you have sort of your own bespoke uh, like a practice material that you created, your flashcards. So that's, that's very, uh, I mean, it doesn't get much more personal than that, does it? Um, well, speaking of personal, actually, uh, I just thought of uh, something, but I'll, I'll, I'll mention it after I finish with this. Also, at what stage in brackets, I know it's a little while, while away yet, would you suggest we start speaking? I, I talked about this last week, I think we've touched on this many times. Um, Phil, Phil, he says uh, directly after, like you're ready after you've built your foundation to start, you'll get a lot out of speaking. You'll get a lot more out of speaking if you start after you've finished our foundation course, phases one to five, the foundation bundle as it's now called. Uh, and I agree. I agree. I think that's when you're you're you, you've got a thousand words under your belt. You know them rather well. You can understand them. You can use them. And you that foundation you can build upon it. If you go in there with zero foundation, you just start speaking. Um, I also mentioned this last week in response to Jessica M. Um, you know, it probably won't be as fruitful. But if you enjoy it, there's there's definitely going to have benefits for you. Definitely, I can't say it wouldn't. Um, but the real answer that I can give personally is just, do you feel like you want to chat with some Chinese people and do it um, and do it sooner rather than later? Um, why not? Do you, but if you're very shy, it stresses you out, maybe wait until, um, <clears throat> or maybe never do it, you know, you know, or not never, but, you know, take your time, do it when you feel the time is right. But if you want, just, just remember in the back of your mind, this will aid your decision you need to put in a certain amount of hours of speaking to be able to speak fluently. There's no way around it. You can't just finish our course, and which is based mainly in reading and listening and writing, with no uh, extra speaking practice and then suddenly just be able to speak fluently. It's not going to happen for anyone. Um, you will have to put in you know, 50 hours of speaking, 100 hours. It depends on what level you want to get to. So if you start investing that early, one hour a week, two hours a week here, um, then by the time you finish our course, the intermediate, and then later on the advanced course, then you would already have invested like 50 hours or whatever. You get the point. So that's my personal view on that. Um, so yeah, well done, Lucy. Keep it up. <laughs> Thanks for the compliment. And Bihari, on, uh, oh, another one who has finished her foundation. I love reading these emails. They're so good. These, these ones specifically are my, one of my favorites to read. When people have finished uh, the foundation course. She says, I'm super excited to have reached the end of the foundation course. <laughs> so stinking cool. <laughs> Thank you for uh, creating such a wonderful course. I'm 56, working full-time remotely, living in Texas. And a little over a year ago, I decided to try Mandarin for fun. I started with Pimsler, me too, and Paul Noble, I haven't heard of him, on Audible for my commute, supplemented with an assortment of apps. Sounds very similar to my my journey. At some point, I stumbled upon your podcast, which eventually led to me led me to the online course. I started the free trial with the pronunciation mastery course on June the first, twenty twenty, and I was instantly hooked. One of my favorite things, the triggered emails when a course level has been completed. I know it seems like such a small thing, but I really looked forward 
to them and they would often push me that little extra bit to go ahead and learn three or four more characters that night just to get the email. That's great. I'm glad that that works out for you. About three quarters of the way through, the sentences started to overwhelm me in Anki. So I took your suggestion to only unsuspend the, we call them required. We just put a little star next to them uh, and we tag them red in, in the flashcards to say these are the ones you have to review and the others you can if you want. It's just gravy. It's just extra stuff. That helped, but I still have a couple of hundred review sentences that are backlogged. So I'll take this week to get those cleared out before moving on. I've loved reading others' comments, questions, props, suggestions, movies, etc. Thanks, y'all. I need to summon the courage to find a tutor so that I may practice conversation skills. But I'm a shy introvert with ADHD, so all the things... I don't know what quite that last bit means, but does anyone have someone they'd like to recommend? Looking forward to starting the intermediate course in about a week. Yeah, don't worry about being shy because, I mean... This is the cool thing about when you pay people, right? <laughs> you pay, as long as you're happy to pay someone. Uh, with language exchange tutors, you have to be a bit more proactive, which might be tougher for someone that's shy. Uh, it's, it's tough for me, to be honest. It's like, it's, uh, it can be weird just getting on the phone with a random stranger. So go on italki, they're very professional. And you can either, that can even be part of your conversation that you have. Um, you know, you can figure out how to explain that situation, right? Um, but they're being paid to be there. And so if you, if you wanted to say two words and just have them talk to you in Chinese the entire, th entire lesson, then you're paying. They'll be, they'll be, well, I wouldn't say happy to do that, but they'll certainly do it, right? Um, but yeah, don't worry about any of that. Um, just sign up, try it out. Try and put, get out of that comfort zone a little bit. Uh, maybe just a 30 minute lesson uh, and see how it goes. Um, if you want any specific guidance, you can email us at contact at mandarinblueprint.com. Um, you know, feedback on your first couple of lessons or whatever. Uh, just, just let us know. We are your personal coaches. And, you know, like I said, if you really don't, if it really stresses you out, don't do it for now. Wait until your level's a bit higher. But uh, it might be a good idea to try and put in a couple, just uh, maybe once a month or twice a month, once a week if you can, uh, just to get, get in those hours that you need. Next one is uh, Oscar Hagland on It's a Word for Pa, which means scared. In the first sentence, hun means very, but in the second it means is. They seem grammatically the same. What is the difference in the translation? Well, as a general rule, hun is a, is a way of connecting nouns to adjectives. He is tall. Pa hun gao. And in, with a simple noun adjective thing like that, it's, that's all it means. It just means is. And if you wanted to, in that situation, if you want to say he's really tall, you would say ta gao or some other sort of um what do you call it modifier or whatever uh that's 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 pretty common right but whenever you're talking about any words that are to do with emotions or thoughts they they can often be referred to as psychological verbs you know i love you or i really love you right uh, I, I, I miss you a lot. I really miss you. Uh, or I really want to. Xiang can also be to want to do something. Um, so that's it, really. Uh, I've, I've, I, there might be the odd uh, exception here or there, but I don't really notice. So that's that's it. Just remember that and you should be fine. Alex Summary on vocab unlocked from Chiu, which means autumn. He asked a pretty interesting, interesting question. He says, um, just wondering, when do we use 
ji as opposed to tian when talking of the seasons. Ta, which means thank you, not the Chinese ta. So he says ji. So, so these are two characters, neither of them. Uh, yeah, so uh, when he's just saying tian, he means like, you know, you only use tian when you're thinking of the specific seasons, spring, summer, autumn, winter. Uh, you know, qiu um, tian for autumn, for example. And uh, when it comes to ji, well, ji is never used alone. Uh, it's used as, it's, it's not a standalone character. It's used in compound words. And of course, you're referring to seasons, so that would be ji jie, ji jie. And I've got it on screen there for you. This can be a season. So you're referring to this season. It doesn't have to be one of the four specific seasons that we're familiar with. It could just be a period of the year. Uh, so I would recommend you check some example sentences in pleco or plico. I still don't know how to pronounce that. If anyone knows the official way, let me know. Because I feel sometimes it says plico, but I'm not sure if that's just because American. I thought I like pleco. Then the, you know, it's fine with me. Ji uh, um, There's another one, ji uh, du. So ji du is, is a fairly common one, which means quarter. You know, so that's used often in, in business, accounting, that sort of thing. You would say, oh, this quarter we did very well. And then one that I'm familiar with here is because I live in Dali, which is a very tourist sort of place because it's so beautiful and it has a, the Gu Cheng, the ancient city that a lot of people visit throughout the year. But at the moment, it is the Dan Ji. It means off season. It's, it's, you know, it's towards winter, there's not that many people here. And then the opposite of that, the busy season would be Wang Ji. That's an example of what you can use. So yeah, tian is used like chiu tian, dong tian, it's used for the specific seasons, and ji is used in words to denote a period of time of the year or a season of some kind itself. Uh, all right, so I hope that's clear. Now, the next one here we have is uh, William Beeman for uh, huo. He says, hi, in wo huo la, so that's the important function here. Okay. So I'm I'm uh, right now I'm angry. I I fire. Therefore, I don't want to talk about my mum's boyfriend's thing, the mum boyfriend thing, even a little bit. That's what is that structure is doing. So what is the function of year in this sentence? So year is in it's almost exactly the same. No, in this situation, it's exactly the same function as do, which means all, right? But they, all they're doing here is serving the purpose of even. They're adding that even to the meaning of idr. So, um, but idr year, idr do bo, it's, it's, a, it's a fixed structure. Um, so yeah, so for example, you could say uh, in this example sentence, I don't even know a little. I didn't. I never. I haven't got the foggiest idea. Or I don't want to become famous even a little. So that's what that is doing. Um, so yeah, and they're both interchangeable in this situation. Okay. A Maxwell Lane on level thirteen complete says. I had a very similar experience. I got a few days behind. I said they're talking about getting behind on your flashcards, which is not fun sometimes. I got a few days behind whilst clearing all the sentences and then worried a little whether I was doing uh, as many new characters and videos. But now I'm all caught up and getting used to reviewing sentences. The point you made earlier, Phil, that when you start sentences is when they are going to be the hardest gave me great comfort. And it was so true. 
I'm now much more efficient getting through sentences. It was quite draining at the start as reading the sentences was quite slow and laborious, but my language module is starting to get up to speed now and it was well worth the effort to get here. Great work to everyone else who made it this far. Let's keep going. Well done. Thanks for the encouragement for other people. That's what a lot of these comments are here to do. That's just the ideal thing uh, thing to say. So yeah, um, this is a very common, we get so many comments around this stage of the course, people just finishing phase two, uh, and they're going into phase three, they're graduating from reading individual uh, comments, individual uh, characters and words, and they're going into reading full sentences. And it's, it's a huge transition to make. And it's quite jarring. It takes a while to get used to. Because uh, you're a whole new plane of function, functioning, right? So, and it takes you know, uh, few, I'd say a week or two to start getting used to it if you put in the time daily. But it's so worth it once you get through. So well done there, uh, Maxwell. And next we have uh, just one last comment here. Um, just it's relate. It's nice to put it at the end because it's related to the movies and stuff that we're going to talk about in the next section. Uh, it's like a nice sort of jump, stepping stone towards that. So Jessica says, for make a movie for tu, which means uh, soil. She says, any tips on not confusing tu with shi, which if you look at them, they look almost exactly the same. It's just that the uh, the top vertical uh, horizontal line is just a little bit longer. It's longer than the bottom one, whereas in tu, it's the opposite. The easy way to do this, so for those of you that don't know, when you get to phase one of the course, which you can now try for free, it's available from our website. Um, if it's not available at the moment, we're, we're redoing the whole whole site right now, so it might not be there uh, as we as we go through as you see this or listen to this podcast. But definitely in a few days from now, um, you'll be able to access phase one and pronunciation mastery for fourteen days for free. Which and phase one will teach you this entire character method, which I'm going to discuss. So. Uh, what we do is we we teach you how to build your own memory palaces and have these uh, these movie scenes going on that represents the various aspects of the characters. So, tu and shi, these two characters will have, of course, they'll have uh, different actors and sets. They'll have different people and places representing the, the, the pronunciation, but they'll have exactly the same prop. Uh, two props. The, the, well, what our suggestions are: the crucifix um, and a razor blade. Or let, you know, so <clears throat> what do you do when you have exactly the same uh, props, but the character is just a little bit longer? Well, you will make a point. So whichever one you learn first, say you learn tool first, right? You just do whatever you want with that story, that scene. But when you're going to learn sh, you're using the same props, but make a point in your movie scene of extending. Uh, the crucifix. Let's say it's a crucifix, right? It could be many things. Actually, go to the to the point of doing that and and make it like yes, I'm making it bigger and it's definitely bigger than the razor blade. And you know, like in movie scenes where they want to something is important, right? So they'll do a close up on it. Say, remember this for later, in a not so subtle way. Um, that's what you can do. Just remember this for later. This crucifix is stretched or it's bigger somehow. And maybe it makes a sound as you make it bigger and then continue with the scene. All right, that's that's what I would suggest. That's always worked well for me. There are probably, I don't know off the top of my head, but I would say there's a handful relatively 
of characters that are just weird. They have like an extra stretchy bit or an extra long bit um, or a bit that's missing where in whereas it's it's present in every other character that uses that component. You get these. I'd say about 10, 20 absolute maximum. Uh, and they involve just a few extra seconds of, of thinking and maybe a close-up, some sort of uh, pointing it out, you know, in the scene. But that's, uh, yeah, that's all I would do for that, Jessica. Let me know how you go. So, again, speaking of movies, let's jump straight into uh, the suggestions we have this week. Now, I, this is what I really like to see. We've got, um, now, because we relatively recently released the uh, intermediate course, you know, maybe six months ago now, something like that, you know, so it's a big, it's a big course, thousands of lessons, extra, so many extra characters, like a thousand extra characters, 3000 extra words to learn. It's big, right? So obviously, and we stopped, you know, we've all I've, we've stopped doing um, movie scenes for the foundation course. So and we only do it for the intermediate. But now I'm starting, you know, so not many people are in the intermediate yet. But you can see that more and more people are getting there. Because before we'd have like one, maybe two, maybe three, uh, absolute maximum for the last few months. But now I'm starting to see like five, 10 come through every week, which means people and that's like five, 10 different people as well, not just the same person posting the same thing. So that's really good to see that means people are, are gradually making their way into the intermediate. Um, and it's just fantastic. Well done. So the first movie here is from Hank Elliott for Make a Movie for Gong, which means, well, a couple of things, but the most common one or the most useful one that we've chosen is All Together. So Hank says, my childhood friend Greg, who's G actor, is in the locker room, that would be the tone, of my gym. Gym equals strong, that's the ONG, that's his connection there, very good. He is rapidly trimming his terribly long leg hair that's the prop and <laughs> that'll be the uh, the bottom sort of two legs that you see in the character there that's represented by leg hair brilliant you could just have robin williams and he's a very hairy guy with a giant pair of shears so he's cutting the leg hair with this giant pair of shears which is another prop it's altogether gross he's trimming in time with the piped in gym music station playing the beatles all together now very nice add a bit of music that helps a lot. All the guys in the locker room are grossing out all together. So all just like going, <laughs> like in sort of harmony. I like that. The sound of scissors snip, snip, snipping, combined with the gong show like sound of someone banging on the lockers to make him stop, become altogether deafening. Snip, snip, gong, gong, all together now. Ah, <laughs> ah, that's really good. That's very funny. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of our members do that. They add like multiple, especially for the more abstract meanings, like all together, right? They add like multiple ways of visually representing or hourly representing the uh, the sound, the, the meaning, the keyword. Um, and this works really, really well. I'd be surprised if that didn't work. Very well done. And next is uh, Rick Santos on Make a Movie for D, which means low. He just says, wow. Princess Diana, the Zhen component on the left, went to my childhood home and at the entrance gate she was speaking in a low Dishung voice, softly mentioning her family. So that right side component is Shu and it means clan, essentially the 
the sort of family, your family bloodline, as it were. I don't know if it's based on bloodline or name, or I guess it would be both. And then the, finally, we've got the little drop at the bottom. Dropped her name ever so softly to keep a low profile. So he's using the word di sheng, which means saying something quietly. Di sheng. Um, <clears throat> funny, just a little tidbit. I just over the years I've noticed there's so many words in Chinese for whisper. <laughs> so many, or like saying something quietly. That's just something I personally noticed. I was like, oh, really? I'm reading. I was like, another one? Oh wow! You know, um, check it out. So yeah, I, I really like this. So you got Diana. Um, her family, but I like the concept. But generally, there's a couple of uh, there's not very much visual here for so for. Uh, the family name thing, I'd obviously you haven't mentioned the physical object, but then I'm sure there's a physical thing representing it, re representing it. But the drop needs to be a drop of some kind or something that, that's physical. Dropped her name, like you mean like the, the action of dropping. Not ideal to have actions uh, there. But uh, it, overall, it's very like saying something. Princess Diana knocking on the door. That could be very sort of an intense emotional experience. You know, saying something quietly to you. Um, very nice uh, but again you've got keep a low profile that's another abstract meaning representing the keyword uh, it could work maybe she's looking seedy like this she's sort of looking around like uh, someone's after me fine but it's not what low means the uh, you can have like DDR and stuff like which means low profile but D in itself it means low so yeah it's overall I think it needs a little bit of work it needs a uh, needs some it needs uh, more visual representation of the prop. Let's see if we can um, do that for next time. But uh, yeah, I, I, I do like the beginning. And I like the general concept, but needs some needs to see it. Needs to see everything in some way. Robert Carver make a movie for Lu, which means dew, like uh, the sort of water you see on grass in the morning. He says, note: I do not condone. <laughs> this is going to be good. I should have pre-read this one, but. He says, I, I do not condone the events depicted in this scene. Ice Agent Luke Skywalker <laughs> is in the bathroom at Dad's house hunting illegal aliens. He hears a sound behind the shower curtain and uses the force to pull the curtain off the rod, exposing... Oh, of course, Lul. Lul can be exposed too, to, like, uh, to expose... Yeah, for sure, sorry. Um, exposing a terrified Frodo Baggins who represents the foot component on the on the left. With shaky hands, Frodo pulls out a passport, which is good, meaning self. So that's a very good representation of self. And pleads that he's legal. But Luke again uses the force to summon a solitary rain cloud. That's the top component there. That pours rain over Frodo, running the ink on the passport and exposing it as fake. Thus exposing Frodo as illegal. That's really good. Again, like I said with Rick, it would be nice to have like a more visual, like I, you know, it doesn't have to be rude or anything, but like expose, like exposing yourself to the elements, as it were. Um, but you could definitely make this work really well if you had him like that. If, as long as you use acting skills, you know, like like we say, anything that anything that's a bit more, let's say, uh, abstract, a bit more difficult to convey visually, you have to use some acting skills, right? So you can imagine Frodo there. When the, the ink falls off, he's just like, ah, oh, you know, I've, you can see on his face that he's like, oh, I've been, I've been found out, I'm, I've been exposed, and he, he's like, he starts maybe looking for an exit, you know, he starts, and maybe the the guy tackles him or something. But yeah, that's a really clever story, Robert. Well done, mate. Really like that. Next is a will. 
Uh, I love the way Will writes his scenes. He's very orderly. He goes keyword, actor, set, room, prop, just as helpful as you can possibly. He even steps by step by step, one, two, three. These are the stages of the scene. Just so helpful for people reading. Um, so thanks for that, Will. Uh, this one is Ying, which means hard. And the actor is, of course, YI, set ENG in the toilet, it's fourth tone. And the props are a sword or sword in the stone. Uh, that's the prop he's chosen. And Jabba the Hut. I can't think off the top of my head what connection it has, but it works for Will, so that's all that matters. So Jabba the Hut, Sword in the Stone. Let's see what happens. Make a movie. <laughs> so I'm just I just naturally read out his list. It's great. So at the ENG's toilet, Jabba the Hut is there to battle the YI actor, and he is very, very hard opponent. Okay. Sees the sword, uh, the actor actress, let's say, sees the sword in the stone next to her and tries to pull it out, but it's very hard. Finally, pulls the sword in the stone out after a very hard pull. Uh, Jabba the Hutt with a hard blow from the sword. It's a big hard slash. Okay. Um, with a hard blow from the sword. So it defeats Jabba the Hutt. The one issue I have with this is that the it's not quite the definition of the character again. So this one is hard as in hard. Right? It's like, uh, so um, not hard as in difficult. Although you can, it can be used to mean someone is hard, like tough, in a certain in certain ways, in certain compound words. So that will work, you know. I'm sure it will work to it'll definitely help you remember how to write the character. But the meaning, and I guess it's so common, it's a very common word. It's not going to be an issue. You'll know that it means hard instead of back, you know. And it's fine to use different definitions of the word hard, um, but more as a support. You're st the, the main focus of uh, the keyword, the main representation of the keyword in the scene should be you know, uh, the actual true definition of the word itself. So, but overall, very cool. Love the list and stuff, but try just, and it would be really easy to do this, right? You could just, this is the cool thing about making these scenes. You could easily just tweak them very slightly, uh, instantly. You know, she goes to hit Jabba the Hutt to defeat him, but it just goes dong on his head, and that's it. That's the end of the scene done next right so it's very easy so when i when i do give you guys a criticism like this or any sort of like oh maybe try a different way um it's like it's not a big deal it doesn't matter we all do it as well we all we all need these uh, pointers sometimes and it's so easy to make the corrections just okay it takes literally seconds and then you just move straight on but uh as a general yeah just remember that for future characters but thanks a lot will and next is nick sims for t now T is an example of a is like one of the examples of a character that I would use for like uh, to represent a tough character for this system. It's still easy with this system, but relatively tough compared to other characters because it's so abstract. So it means them or he or her or there. <laughs> it has several meanings and they're all very just there, as in T H E I R. So let's see what Nick does with this. It says T is practicing her kung fu forms. It's like kata in the kitchen, uh, second turn, in my childhood home when she is confronted by a clan of samurai warrior Klondike bars. What? Samurai warrior? Okay, interesting. Very interesting. So I know, the only reason I know Klondike bar is just a weird reference from Family Guy episode years ago. <laughs> so Klondike bar is some sort of chocolate bar, I assume. And samurai warrior Klondike bars. Awesome. Okay, armed with nunchucks, which is the other other prop here of many different varieties. Titi, that's the actor, actress, 
gives them a deathly stare and advises them, he, her, that she is their master. She quickly stuns them each with a ninja star, as that's the razor blade, to the gut and realise that she is not like any other. Nice, you've done the best you can here with this incredible, like I said, the the hardest level of character you can do because it's so abstract. Um, you've got reference to he, them, there, and other, all the meanings of this character. But let's see if we can visualise it a little bit better, um, uh, make it a bit more visual. How could you do that? Um, maybe she defeats them all, and then she forgets, but she forgets about the others. There's like others, that there's exactly the same clan. It just comes, she's all like tired from defeating them, right? And then suddenly the clan comes in and it's all a bunch of, it's a bunch more of these Klondike bars. And she's like, oh man, there's more of them. And then she maybe she defeats them. And then the others, there's others, you know. Uh, so that could work, possibly. So it could add a bit more visual sense to it. How would you say there? How would you visualize there? So that's possessive, right? It means it's theirs. It, they own it. So maybe she takes, uh, they're trying to take something from her because it, what she has is theirs. Um, they're Klondike bars. Maybe you could use something in relation to chocolate. Uh, you could bring in a foreign object into the scene just to help out. So maybe she has a Klondike bar um, and she's got it here. And uh, they come to take it back because he's one of theirs, right? And so, but she tries to like attack them. Maybe she kills a couple of them, but they end up getting it from it because, after all, it is there. So I'm just that's just randomly on the spot <laughs> without any. But you know, I think just something in there just to show that a little bit, maybe slightly clearer. But it will probably work anyway as it is. I'm just sort of for the benefit of people listening. So that's just a harp on that point one more time. Let's add some more visualization, visual elements to all the props and all, and especially the keyword as we're uh, creating these scenes. So thanks very much, guys, uh, for your input this week. Love reading these comments, these emails. Thanks for your contributions again to the course. And I will see you all in a couple of weeks. Bye bye.